the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. W.H. Weiskarper, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiskarper, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches, fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Carver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner program, visit whwisecarver.com. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody, to uh, this week's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. We're broadcasting live from the New McCree Theater on Clio Road in Flint the day after the 2021 election. And uh, joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, we have our roundtable of political pundits, including... uh, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome Always back. Always good to be here. And mm-hmm. sitting in for uh, Henry Hatter on the right, although he's sitting a little farther to the right <laughs> than Henry does, is uh, our good friend George Moss from the George Moss Show on Wednesdays, uh, or Mondays, rather, at 2 o'clock. Mondays from 2 to 3. And Where can people uh, see that? Uh, com, and we are now teaming with uh, Rumble. We kind of left Facebook. We got tired of thro- being thrown off every time we make a controversial point. So, well, so I sent you a note on Facebook was, and then got I, too thought, bad I hope he's not in Facebook now. jail. <laughs> 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 and and finally, I, I want to make sure because it's always a treat when we have Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley round out the round table. Wood, welcome back and uh, thanks for being here. And we were talking uh, in the last hour about some of the numbers in the race, um, at least for city council. Um, that was probably one of the biggest uh, races in Genesee County. 
and um, there, there are some interesting trends there. But uh, and, and we ended with write-in, so it seems kind of appropriate that we would jump now in this second hour and talk about uh, Mike Duggan's big victory down in Detroit, oh, yeah. being one of the one of the few people who's been really successful at, at launching a write-in campaign. But uh, this is actually kind of interesting when you push it into the spotlight that's been on. Uh, Virginia and New Jersey in those two mm -hmm. governor's races and which way they were going to go party-wise, both of them very, very close. Um, New Jersey, of course, uh, <laughs> appropriately turned <laughs> turned into an absolute horse race. Yeah. Um, and I think it's still too close to call, or it was when we went on the air. And um, Virginia went to the Republicans, mm -hmm. which a lot of people are going to make a big noise about. But the, but the two big mayor races that I was watching <laughs> went resoundly for Democrats in New York and, of course, in Detroit with mm -hmm. Mike Duggan. And, and so <laughs> is that what's, – what's the takeaway from that? Is, is Are the Republicans doing better in areas that – include rural areas and Democrats are doing better in urban settings? Well, I think that's what the Trump phenomenon exhibits. It's become almost more of a rural-urban divide between the, the Trump Republicans and the Democrats now, more so than it ever has been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm struck by that when you drive around Genesee County and you leave the core of city of Flint, go out to the rural areas, you start seeing Trump flags. Yeah. I, I think that uh, the election in Virginia has a much more resounding uh, voice to it. Uh, you know, it's a very, it's a blue state, very blue state. It's no longer a purple state. And for McAuliffe to bring in all these heavyweights as he did, he brought in Abrams. I uh, think McAuliffe's probably feeling pretty purple today. Yeah, feeling pretty purple today <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he brought in all the national uh, Democratic Party leaders, and um, and and at the end of it, brought in um, uh, President Joe Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of the things they came in there and said and did. I mean, when Biden was speaking, he gave a 15-minute uh, talk. He mentioned. Um, Trump's name 24 times, and uh, I think that this kind of count. I wrote an article this morning about the election, and I said in my article that if this election result throughout the nation doesn't change the way in which we campaign, then the American people lost. And, and, and I think we have to stop this campaigning. I mean, the campaigning, they, they all came in, in Virginia, for example, and the campaign message was collectively that um, the uh, alternative candidate to McAuliffe is uh, is um, Donald Trump. I mean, that if you kept, it's almost like they were, he's, they, that McAuliffe running against Trump. Mm -hmm. He was running against Glenn. Um, what's his last name? Glenn. Um, Youngkin. Um, Youngkin. Um, Youngkin. Youngkin is his name. Youngkin. Yeah. He's running against Youngkin. Uh, Trump, Trump was not on the ballot. I think people rejected that kind of campaigning, and. Um, and Youngkin tried to walk a fine line between sort of half supporting Smartly. Trump and sort of not wanting took to the endorsement and didn't bring him into the uh, into uh, the state. Very, yeah. you know, and, you know, get the get the votes you can out out of name, but don't get in, don't get close to the candidate. Yeah, yeah. That everybody is rejecting and the voting because Biden carried Virginia, Virginia by 10, 10 points, so you don't want to have him in the state. Yeah. 
And I think that's what that's another mistake that uh, McAuliffe made. He has said earlier that uh, Biden didn't have any coattails in Virginia. Very unpopular mm -hmm. in Virginia. He said that. And he brought him in anyway at the end of the uh, in, end of the campaign, and that might have been something that was not the most not the smartest uh, political move either. To bring to bring Biden in. Biden is Biden. You see what they're saying in the football games. And I mean, look at. I mean, it's not. Let's go, Brandon. I mean, it's not. They're not saying that. I don't hear that in there. I mean, I, I might use a little bit better than that. Yeah. Are you picking up? Uh, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's been a rough couple of months for Biden. There's no doubt about that. Was it, um, was it Dirksen or Tip O'Neill that said all politics are local? O'Neill. O'Neill, I think, was the guy who's. Okay. Yeah. See, I get those confused because and Dirksen's fa famous quote was, all politics are retail. Yeah, that's right. That's kind of, it is, it's, it's kind of the same message, but yeah. clearly a well, Republican-Democrat way of expressing it. Um, <laughs> you know, all politics are retail on the Republican side, all politics are local on the Democratic side. Yeah. But I don't think we've seen an up-close examination of how true that is as these numbers that we were talking about last hour in the different wards in the city of Flint and how good candidates drew more people to the polls. Mm -hmm. and, and there, there, there were different numbers of people who turned out in different wards. And that's, that's how specific it gets right down to the neighborhood. So I think George is, is on to something when he says, we got to change the way we politic, the way we campaign. We have, to, we have to rethink our campaigns and our strategies. The people in Virginia didn't want to listen to a speech by Joe Biden to decide who they were going to pick for governor. Yeah. And the flip side is true right. for a Republican who wants to be governor doesn't want Trump in their grandstanding. Right. So, yeah. so I, 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 I agree with the direction in part of what George is going. But let me just take this back a little bit further. So in terms of how we engage in the political square, um, there is a strategy that the Republican Party has had in place. Now, I, I want you all to, and, and George, bear in mind, too, that when Obama was president, who did the Republicans run against? Regardless to mm -hmm. if Woodrow Stanley was on, Tom Sumner, Paul Rosicki, the person that everybody, if you were a Republican, who, do, who would you run against? You ran against Obama. You uh -huh. weren't running for yeah. president. Sure. You ran so yeah, yeah. so so well, you, you know so that that, that happens. But and then he's a change. When George he, cited Biden for uh, citing Trump's name twenty four times right. in a speech, you could go back to Trump's speeches and right. say, look at how many times he evoked someone's right. name and beat up on him. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just not. Here's a bigger strategy. The bigger strategy strategy is this because this is all going to play out next year. This, 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 this right here. This was, is it's was, a warm up. This, this, this is just a warm up. Yeah. This, this is not even the undercard. This is the under, under, undercard. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> this is off, because off, remember off what has been happening. Now, in Virginia, the numbers that I saw um, just this morning is the um, suburbs and the rural areas uh, way up. What's that? 
white folks voting. Mm -hmm. And that strategy will be replicated around the country. And that strategy is connected to all of the states that have enacted voter suppression efforts because what do you do? The Republican, Republicans are not playing addition <laughs> in terms of folks outside of the family voting. You're not trying to get um, more black folks voting, more brown people voting. You're mm -hmm. trying to get more white people voting. Sure. They talk about the critical race theory uh, in Virginia. Uh, uh, Larry Sabato, yes, I, I yes. know you, uh, yeah. Sabato, probably the most, uh, well, not probably, the most well-known political scientist in Virginia and one of the most uh, well-known in the country, yeah. um, said it's three words in that piece that played prominently in Virginia. Only one of those words is significant. And it ain't critical and it ain't fear. That's right. <laughs> the, the key word was yeah. race. Yeah. And that, that strategy, That's such a hot that strategy is going to repeat itself across the country because it was tested in Virginia. New Jersey, not so much because New Jersey is kind of crazy. I, mm -hmm. I've had a lot of political friends in New Jersey and I mean, New Jersey is one of those places where you can be a member of city council and a state representative simultaneously. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know exactly how you do that, but, mm -hmm. but, but you can do it. Um, so I, I, I make that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but my, my, my criticism is not that it happened in this campaign and they mentioned Donald Trump's name as a way of energizing uh, certain segments of the, of, of the vote. My, my criticism is, is generic. Mm -hmm. This kind of campaigning does not serve the interests of the country. And I was trying and to keep, underscore and it, that. And it divides it. us. Uh, this fact is like divisive. We have, that's so why I'm, I'm, if we do not, in fact, take for this election, um, the, the, the idea we have got to up the ante in how we campaign for office. This, this, um, uh, Dealing with factions, you know, one of the well, we one, have, one, we one have one to tape, we have to tap down the the rhetoric between people who have different ideas about how to do things. You know, in fact, I, I chose the word different ideas instead of opposing views, very intentionally. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be the opposition. We have to stop this this notion of. Um, if you don't agree with me, you're a moron. <laughs> yeah, well, that's bad for the country. The issues are the issues are the issues are the important things. We don't talk about issues anymore. What do they vote on? What do they vote on in the election? Were they voting on issues or were they voting on personalities and emotionalism? You know, I was going to say earlier. One of the things that in in the in the Federalist Paper Ten, Paul, you know this, having taught political science. Uh, in Federalist Paper 10, one of the things that the framers, James Madison wrote that paper, it was the first one of the Federalist Papers that he wrote, and he was really talking about factions. The framers were really scared of factions, particularly majority factions. They opposed the parties. And which, which is what, the, which yeah, is what yeah. parties, sure. they didn't use the word parties, but they used factions, right. but they were talking about parties. And, and, and that's where I think we have to get back to uh, the kind of, politics we had, maybe during the candy era and, and that, when you had, you didn't dislike each other, you just ran against each other with, because they had these ideas and these, your ideas. Yeah. And well, Wood, idea it's George's turn to get cut off. Oh, yeah, right, to, right, right, right. <laughs> we have and to take a short break. We'll be back with more armchair politics. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. And if you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nussel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. And we're back with more armchair politics on the Tom Sumner Program, live from the new McCree Theater on Clio Road in Flint. And uh, our roundtable includes this week uh, Paul Rosicki on the left, George Moss way over on the right, (laughs) (laughs) and political uh, emeritus Woodrow Stanton. I got new teeth and now I can't talk. Um, And we have gotten, this is the last segment before we go to the Mm X-Files, and I have not referred to my script since the first couple of quotes. <laughs> We've been talking about yesterday's uh, election, <laughs> and, and it's, it's been good for us because the election was small enough to really, you know, it, it really is like looking at an election under a microscope. Yeah. You know, because we could go, uh, you know, almost neighborhood by neighborhood and kind of get a feel for, you know, what were people doing? What were they thinking? And, and it may inform why we're seeing such tight races like in Virginia and New Jersey in those governor races. Um, people are, they, they've been split right down the middle. And, and just before the break, we were starting to talk about, and it continued through the break a little bit. And again, I apologize to the Attorney General uh, for that. But um, but we were talking about how do, how do we, how do we get the animosity out of it? I mean, it's one thing to be passionate about mm-hmm. a particular cause. Be passionate about the goal, not the method for reaching it. And there were times we've done that. In the, in the past, we, we've, we've had times when both parties could be civil to each other and get things done. It's worked out in the past. Um, I always, I've always argued, maybe to some degree, the way we elect people. I, I go back to the gerrymandering idea, where the real elections is the primary. So if I'm a liberal Democrat and I work with Republicans, I don't worry about the November election. I worry about my primary election. Right. And the same for a Republican. You're a conservative Republican, and you work with Democrats. You worry about your primary, not the general election. So maybe I, mean, I hope I, I had a little bit of hope this new uh, redistricting commission in, in Michigan might ease that a little bit. I wouldn't bet a bet the ranch on it, but it might have some impact on making the real election the general rather than the primary. Because, you know, here in Genesee County... Has anybody looked at the... At the I, know, I know you've looked at the new maps uh, as they come out a little bit. I've seen um, But I, I'm just wondering, has anybody seen a district yet and said, hey, that's great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if, 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 if everybody's unhappy, that might be right. In other words, if, if both Democrats and Republicans are unhappy, those may be the ideal districts. Because if, if everybody, if, if one party is thrilled with it, yeah, that's, that's the old it. Kennedy quote about a, uh, <laughs> about a uh, poll. In, 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 there were a couple of different polls about his work on civil rights, and he said... Uh, one poll says I'm going too fast, and another poll says I'm going too slow. He says, I think I'm probably going at the right tempo. The one piece about the redistricting <coughs> piece that causes me Division some of Flint. Yeah. Flint and similar districts across the state 
that are now represented by minority uh, legislators. And I mean, you know, well, I've, we're I've, seeing that mostly, potentially in Flint, but mostly in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah we're but it's a real problem. The, the testimony in yeah. the, the Flint hearing of a week or so ago right. was mostly right. over. Let's not divide Flint. Right, right. Yeah. But I th that is um, um, that is that is a great concern because, I mean, you know, carving out uh, majority minority districts may not ultimately be the the best solution, but until we find that better solution in order to make certain that you have minority voices that are in the mix um, on the way to trying to find remedies, that's the best best thing that, that's, uh, yeah. that's available. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, the, the idea of having a citizen-driven uh, process as opposed I, to I hope it works I mean I, I, well, I I'm, 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 I'm hoping they've and had their praying as well I've had some questions <laughs> but I hope it works I, I do too you remember uh, many many years ago uh, Mayor uh, John Lindsay in mm -hmm. New, York? Oh, yeah. New York well before that he when was there in were the, actually liberal Republicans he was <laughs> in, well yeah that was before, before the, he before switched parties died, I believe. yeah before he <laughs> switched parties um, he was in the House of Representatives uh, on the Republican side of the aisle, and um, he um, headed up the group of Republicans that were working on the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964. And I interviewed a guy who was one of his aides just recently, has written a book called um, Crisis, Crisis and Compromise. Hmm. And he talks about the process that that bill went through and the negotiations that went on, you know, all the inside baseball stuff. You know, you don't like to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> he shows you how the sausage yeah. was made. And, and he says one of the things that, that, you know, didn't come out of it was the fact that that thing was really driven by Republicans. That it, it, Republicans basically got that passed because a lot of the Democrats that were serving in the House at that time were Dixie crazy. Right, exactly. yeah, yeah. And, and it, was, it was a tough sell they want to Democrats, Democrats as defined states. today. Not, yeah, not at all. Not at all. But again, it speaks to that that notion of how we remember it in history as being a democratic achievement, largely because LBJ was LBJ so good at taking but credit Ab 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 for Ab stuff. Abduction was, <laughs> was also critical in making that <coughs> happen as well. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, and the thing is, you know, we look back and there have always been differences. There have always been heated debates, but there was this sense that there was a way that people could bring different perspectives to the table to go after the same goal and ultimately come up with something that was at least acceptable yeah. to everyone. Wh who yeah. uses the word compromise in, in Washington? 
if you if you are Republican or particularly Republican, if you use the word ex-members uh, of that the would Congress. be like saying F you. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you don't use that you word. Don't. You don't use the word bipartisan. You know, there, there was once an overlap of the two parties. There were, there were Republicans who were more liberal than some Democrats, and Democrats more conservative than some Republicans. Today, that's not true. Right. I mean, there's a clear partisan divide. I mean, Republicans on one side, Dems on the other. There's almost no overlap ideologically. Well, you know, they, they always refer to, to uh, liberal Republicans as rhinos. And I keep waiting for the, the Democratic equivalent, the, the dino. Yeah. Because really, they are dinosaurs <laughs> yeah. in this day and age. Tell me, I think you're saying, I think you're implying that if you, if you mention the word compromise and you're inside the halls of power, you're not going to be able to make, stay you're in there. As a traitor. Do you no, no, that's a, yeah, George, George picked up on what I said to, to uh, Woodrow's comment about um, who in Washington uses the word compromise, and mm. I said, ex-congressman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you look, look at the, particularly look at the Republicans who are, who are deciding not to run again. Yeah. Folks who oppose Trump. I mean, a number of them have called th thrown the towel in recently. And, and, those, and, and you know, you ha and you have to feel for those guys because they spent their lives believing in the Republican Party. Yeah. And, and, and I, not being necessarily extreme, they had the ability to work with Democrats and, you know, to push forward an, a, a Republican agenda that they believed was good for the country. And then all of a sudden, it swings way out, you know, to the alt right, and they're sitting there trying to say, well, "Wait a minute, I, I want to support the party, but I can't. I can't support this this out of control spiral." And we've seen Democrats the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, the progressive I think, I think, uh, internal fight. I'm I, not sure. I'm not sure if we can really consider Mansion and Cinema in that category. But there are certainly Democrats who have fought against the grain. Um, yeah, I I wish. See, I, I I think that's a problem. I wish a plague upon both their houses. I'm not a I'm not a Republican. I'm I'm a, I'm, an, I'm an independent thinker. And See, that's why I always I always uh, introduce Henry as a longtime <laughs> Genesee County Republican. Yeah, he's a Republican. And I always, <laughs> and I, and and I always introduce George as being from the right. <laughs> very often, very pretty far from the right. Right, very far on the right. But I will, but I will say this: I, I wish a, I wish a plague upon both the houses. I don't think we got here by any one party. Uh, having it wrong and one party having it right. I think both parties ought to be condemned for the way they've handled this country's affairs. But you know what and I think would be even better, George, is if we wished enlightenment on both their houses. You know, if, if they would come around and say, you know, somebody that has a different idea about how to get to where Let's we want to go yeah. isn't the enemy. It's it starts like that, that it off. Um, we're, you know, it's like we're all in the same house. We are we're all Americans. If we can't get that part right. My friend Sandy loves to say, you know, you uh, can't get anything. When else are people right. going to figure yeah. out that the right wing and the left wing are two parts of the same bird? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was, very, it was fairly common when the new president got elected, he would appoint somebody from the other party to be in the cabinet. Right. That almost never happens anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. you know? 
Although, uh, well, Lincoln started. Uh, Biden that disappointed a couple of Republican yeah, uh, ambassadors. Yeah. Um, but but I you know the and and I do uh, I was about to use a uh, political term and uh, we'd always say I associate myself with uh, the remarks that my uh, distinguished friend George <laughs> uh, but 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 I you know the, the my, one of my takeaways from yesterday um, you know and this is you know we spend a lot of time at least I do talking about um, you know the Republican Party and all of its warts. Um, but the Democratic Party, uh, and, and I, look, I have the bona fides to sort of, um, and, and, and the, you know, you, if I take my shirt off and you look at my back, you can see the wet marks uh, from, uh, um, I landed some blows. Uh, yeah. but, but, but I know the Democratic Party has, has uh, engaged in a lot of, of um, self-inflicted um, kinds, uh, kinds of things. And one in particular. Now, this, this, uh, this is something I just saw this um, uh, piece was on the ballot in, in Minneapolis. To, oh, yeah, uh, the police issue. Yeah, defund the police. Yeah. So th this, this, this is one of those pieces for guys like me that have held public office, you black, you got to deal with the police issue. Mm -hmm. It's real. It's, it, it, it ain't made up. These numbers, these people who, who have died, and, and, and these are not black folks just saying this. There's a thousands and thousands of white folks who are saying, hey, look, we got to do something. But using the term de defund the police oh, the don't work. Worst slogan in the world. As, as, yeah. as a retail well, politician, post, I can tell you, it don't work because when someone wants a police officer yeah. it, and they have a police issue, they don't want me to send them a social worker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, say, hey, look, well, I don't have an officer available, but I'm going to send uh, uh, MSW. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. This is not an MSW issue. The they, there's an MSW the issues that need to be dealt with. This is not one of them. You need a police officer. So we have that issue that the Dems, and, and that's that um, progressives versus mainstream Democrats. That piece is, is getting played out in real, real time, just as, and, and these guys, George, have heard me say this, Republican Party is no longer a party. It's a cult. The Trump party. Yeah, yeah. it's a cult. Well, it, and, it, that, it, and that it really no brings it full circle, Wood, because we started with Paul's comment about so many Republicans, long-time Republicans, leaving the party or leaving office because they can't... Yeah, they can't Kinsinger out this past week or so. They can't practice others. their trade associated with the party that they're affiliated yeah. with and and it's it's tragic you were having a tough time using the word that i used you said oh, oh, just say cult it's easier i mean it's some of the ideological conservatives you know, got away from trump right off the bat i mean the national review and george will and those folks they bailed out early on back in 2016, but even others now have, have kind of had it with Trump. Well, they're not wielding power in the party anymore. And uh, I mean, look look what the Lincoln Group did in Virginia. Mm. Oh yeah. Look at look at the look Absolutely. at look no. at this. This is this is outrageous. Uh, Trump came from the outside. Neither party 
inside of the club, because that's what, I mean, this, this, this is the brethren written about by uh, Woodward, you know, the, he was talking about the Supreme Court, but it's a brethren in Washington. And he comes out of nowhere and comes into uh, the house where the Democrats on one side of the house and the Republicans on the other side of the house comes in as an outsider and not beholden to either one of the two groups and is a danger to both of them. And that danger is what both of them, in fact, coalesce around to bring about uh, some of them hiding out in terms of being supportive of it, but they were supportive of the impeachment. They couldn't vote for it, mm -hmm. but they can sort of stand down in terms of the numbers that made it possible for the Republican for the Republican Party to lose a majority in the House that made the impeachment possible. Don't forget, 39 of the Republicans stepped down in the midterm election. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you know, they both of. I see. I, I, I'm standing on the outside of both parties. I'm critiquing both of them, and neither one of the parties get a pass. I don't give pass. There's a gr great story about. Uh, <laughs> about a newly elected Democrat in the House of Representatives, and he goes to a leader that's showing him around, and he says, oh, oh introduce me to some Republicans. I want to meet the enemy. And, he, and the guy says, the Republicans aren't the enemy. The Senate's the enemy. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, where, 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 where's the, where are the outlaws? They went that away, but it's never. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I did come across something, and, and this is, you know, we've been kind of uh, improvising, but I did come across something in, on CNN um, on their website about the uh, Supreme Court that I wanted to bring up oh, and yeah, talk about. Oh, yeah, picking up a couple of um, gun, gun issue and uh, abortion. Yeah, but something happened. One of the reporters at CNN picked up on this. Uh, the Supreme Court was more than two hours into arguments over the Texas abortion law when Justice Alina Kagan ignited the tension that had been slowly building in the courtroom. The actual provisions in this law have prevented every woman in Texas from exercising a constitutional right as declared by this court, she said her voice raising as she pressed Texas Solicitor General Judd Stone. That's not a hypothetical, that's an actual. Monday's paired hearings before the justices, still relatively new to the courtroom after pandemic isolation, offered an up-close look at their views on the unprecedented Texas law that prohibits abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy. The law attempts to shield state officials from federal lawsuits by empowering private citizens to enforce the ban. All told, it appeared that a court majority was ready to rule against Texas for the first time and allow at least one of the lawsuits to proceed and perhaps soon suspend the ban, or the ban. In place since September 1st, the new law conflicts with high court precedent dating to 1973's Roe v. Wade and has forced women throughout Texas to travel to Oklahoma and other neighboring states for abortions. Does the court seem a little less conservative when they're face to face in public? You know, there was this shift during the pandemic where it just seemed like they were gonna just slam dunk everything oh. with that six to three. And then all of a sudden, they get back together in that grand hall and there are people watching and they're face to face and all of a sudden it started to ease up a little bit. I, did anybody else well, pick up on that? Mm -hmm. Or, or I, I'm yeah, just saying I, it might be something to watch. This is, this is not a conservative court. 
uh, just because you have three appointees on the court appointed by Donald Trump and he's a Republican does not mean that. Well, it brings the number of justices that were appointed by Republicans. Yeah, but it does not mean that they are conservatives. I don't think that Amy Barrett has proven to be a conservative on the court, nor has Kavanaugh. And so uh, you can you can get, you can get confused thinking that the court is uh, one way or another based on who are the persons doing the appointing. But these are this is not a conservative court. Steve Breyer, as a matter of fact, made the point that the court is not conservative, and I think that the rendings that they've had, you know, uh, proves that. Well, I think they, they, they don't want to appear to be the pawn of the president. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that they, Roberts especially wants to show that they're an independent body. Roberts is not a conservative. Well, I mean, whatever he is, he doesn't want to be seen as the pawn of... of yeah, and I think they've been you know, intimidated. Reagan I think, or, or I think that, you know, the court, the court, and one of the things about the court, and I'm talking about the history of the court, the court can be intimidated. You remember, uh, Paul, you know when, when, when Roosevelt threatened to well, pack the, right, the, the Supreme Court. In, well, did you know? in time to save nine. Yeah, but did you know that after the threat was made in 37 to pack the Supreme Court, they didn't render another verdict against the executive office until 1992? Yeah, yeah, no, at that, at that point. So the court can be intimidated in terms, of, and I think that that's the stand down that we saw in this election. Uh, I was I'm, I was stunned, quite frankly, that this court would pretend that it's an interpreter of the Constitution, and then allow for the state legislatures to not have made the verdicts and how the elections are held in their states, and the court does not come in and intervene in a clear constitutional question that the court is handed by the by the, by the Constitution. You know, I'm talking about Article Two here. You know, yeah. where the where the state legislatures make the determination of the electors. And when you have the, 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 the way states vote change from that to where somebody is making a determination, that's unconstitutional. And the court was, was declarative in turning it down. I think that you can actually do that and claim that you're, you're, you're reading the Constitution or you're, 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 you're standing uh, for the Constitution. See, Article 2 demand, demanded that they take any state that changed the way the voting in those states occur and it didn't go through the state legislatures, that is an unconstitutional act. So shut up again. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say you got about two minutes to throw it back to Paul so I can yeah. cut him off when we go to break. <laughs> Just, just say shut up, don't tell me. I, I, can, I can stop talking. No, I, no, I can do that. I, I, I was just trying to get it to shift over no, to Paul so now I Paul, can tell Paul to shut up. That's right. <laughs> no, this, is, this has actually been probably one of the more interesting and, and free-flowing conversations we've had on this show in a long time. You, you know, just by, by dropping the usual headlines and, and just talking about how, how a, a specific well, election yeah. played out and, and what does it mean going forward? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I pick up a thought you just had. When, when meeting, in, in meeting in person compared to meeting virtually, do you think that'll affect the Flint City Council? I mean, mm -hmm. those virtual meetings they've had have been so contentious, although the in-person ones were too, mm -hmm. but if they get back to meeting in person do you th with, with this new batch of, of council members, do you see that as uh, making things a little less contentious? You don't get to use your time to ask a question if I'm going <laughs> to cut you off when we go to break, because then you're going to throw it That's to somebody right. else. <laughs> no, actually, if you're uh, 
listening to us. This is uh, Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, broadcasting live from the new McCree Theater on Clio Road in Flint. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. And we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with the real X-Files uh, after, uh, after this short break. So stay tuned. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hornets. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. 
As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to AmericanSchismBook.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back to this uh, final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics. The uh, One of my favorite parts is the uh, X-Files, although it just seems to be getting tougher and tougher to tell the difference between the ones we do as X-Files and the regular headlines. But uh, we're broadcasting live from the New McCree Theater on Clio Road in Flint. This is Armchair Politics and... Uh, the X-Files. Police in British Columbia said a driver was asked to remove the Halloween decorations from his car after a message reading, help me, was determined to be a little too scary. Uh, this is according to the Trail and Greater District RCMP. Um, they said officers responded to a report of a suspicious vehicle parked near an intersection and arrived to find the car had been decorated with fake blood and the message, help me, spelled out with duct tape. Police spoke with the vehicle's owner, a 36-year-old Fruitvale man, and asked him to remove the spooky decorations. The man agreed to remove the duct tape after police explained that it was a little too scary and might cause more calls of concern to the police. Does that seem scary to you, <laughs> or, or do... British Columbia Mounties seem a little skittish. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I know that within the last couple of days, my wife and I went to a McDonald's on Center Road, and they had caution tapes all over this restaurant. And she's, my wife says, I'm not sure we ought to go in there. <laughs> Something's going on. It was just their Halloween decorations. But <laughs> they had crime, ta- crime caution tapes all over the, the, the restaurant. If our parents came back and saw people wearing these masks, yeah, yeah. They be, exactly. it was a hold up. Get the hands up. Yeah. Well, George, you know what I thought was funny? It was banks when people started going back to the lobbies of banks and oh, everybody in the banks yeah, wearing a mask. Yeah. That used to be a red flag. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. Well, a lot of these stories start out a uh, Florida man, but this one starts out a Michigan man who doesn't normally play lottery games said a store clerk talked him into buying the ticket that earned him $25,000 a year for life. Mm. Bruce Judicki, uh, 69, of Westland, told Michigan lottery officials he was talking to the clerk at Hunter and Wayne Liquor in Westland when the other man made a suggestion. Judicki's uh, ticket matched the five white balls drawn August 31st. The numbers were 6, 15, 27, 36, and 37, earning him a prize of 25000 a year for life. The players said store employees tipped him off to his win. The next day, they called me and told me to bring my ticket to the store. At first, I thought something must be wrong, but when I got there, they told me they had sold a big winner, and they were pretty sure it was me. I couldn't believe what they were telling me. He said, I always thought when I retired, I would move somewhere warm and get a sports car. Then I became a grandfather, (laughs) and and everything changed, and I wouldn't want it any other way. I can't wait to enjoy this with my family, Judicki said. You think uh, Judicki might... uh, consult this store clerk for stock tips and other investment <laughs> advice. Right, yeah. I think he owes him 10% of the earnings. Yeah, yeah, I would think. Now here's one that I got kind of a kick out of. A Japanese startup unveiled its single rider hover bike with a video showing the airborne vehicle circling a track. The X-Turismo limited edition model was taken for a test drive at the uh, Fuji Speedway racing course in uh, Oyama and a video of the flight was posted to the company's YouTube account. The bike features a combustion engine and four battery powered motors that allow it to move at speeds of up to 60 miles per hour. Exorismo said the bike is available in Japan for a mere $680,000. Price aside, would you want to try going 60 miles per hour on little more than a surfboard? (laughs) (laughs) Here on the side of caution. That's right. You know, the whole time I was growing up, I couldn't wait till we had jetpacks. Now that I'm turning 65 next Sunday, I can wait. (laughs) (laughs) Not that big on them anymore. Well, anyway, uh, let's see, how are we doing on time? That wraps it up for today's uh, edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. Um, but we have about, oh, maybe three or four minutes left if anybody has any, any final comments. Yeah. I'm just waiting to see what the city council, you know, what, what the new council looks like, if they can actually get along, can they actually uh, produce some really meaningful policy. I, I hope so, but uh, we'll see. I would like to see the uh, national election to result in putting skid marks 
on this spending that's going on. I'm a grand, I, you know, I have uh, step-grandchildren, step-grandchildren, well, grandchildren, and I am very concerned about what kind of country we're going to leave to uh, the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren and generations to follow. And this debt that we are creating as if you can do this free. I don't understand where this idea of free comes from. You can create money out of nowhere and somehow it doesn't cost anything. And I'm going to the store where I see the cost in terms of the escalation of the prices in the stores. So it's costing us right now. And guess what the cost is going to be when they try to pay off an insurmountable debt. This debt will never be paid off, by the way. But they keep creating more of it and telling us that the debt they're creating is free. Is any debt in your life free? Do you have to go back and pay it off? or? Or do they uh, tell you at the end of the day, it's too much, I, you can, I forgive you for it. So I'm, I'm just concerned, and I think that um, there's a lesson to be learned this election, and I hope the lesson will be learned when we get better uh, politics out of it. <laughs> I was just wondering what Wood's final thoughts are. If, if you think the city council is going to behave differently with six new members or... Um, or might it have something to do with the call you're planning to make later today? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously the, the first order of business is reorganization. Right. Electing uh, the leaders of the, of the council. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, as, a, as I, I think most of us are uh, taxpaying residents of the city, so uh, I, I have a more than just well you got three choices if you don't want to throw a newbie on into that limelight and and that's uh eric and jerry winfrey carter and evil worthing yeah it, it and you know and and you know i wouldn't of course i'm not serving there but i wouldn't toss out discussing a new person as a part of a team uh, yeah, but uh, that, based on some of the people I've talked to before, you know, that, that first year is so important to getting to understand how things work and, you know, to, to plant them in, in a place where they have to direct traffic is kind of a rough thing to do. It, it, it is. And, but, and many but of them are kind of new to, to yeah, the political life right. in general. The first, this is the first elective office right. of I'm any so, kind for, right. for most you, of them. You, you, I've, I've served with some folks that didn't necessarily serve in political chairs before they got there, but uh, I, and I, this was a small group, but there were some folks that I served with, uh, not necessarily on the city council, but they were new. They gained their experience in a number of different ways, but they were ready. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, and this is a well, voice I, of, this, I, uh, this, is, this is a voice that's, that's been in the ring that you, do, you can't say because a person doesn't have a lot of experience in politics because there are people that have gained experience in a number of different ways mm -hmm. and some of them well, can would quickly help if they, adjust if to, you said, wow, I didn't realize. So I don't underestimate, I don't, it, it I don't would think help. practically speaking it, it's going to happen, but I don't underestimate at least considering. It, it would help if, if people came to the... Uh, to the council with the understanding that work's supposed to get done by the committees. <laughs> and and, and there are people it. who have not served in public <laughs> office who understand that very well mm -hmm. from other well, organizational well, well, structures. Tom, I always say that begins with reading the agenda before you get it. And, and <laughs> yeah, all yeah, that helps. That's true.
that helps. I want to say thank you to everybody uh, at the round table here. Woodrow Stanley, Wood, it's always fun. George Moss, thanks for jumping thanks for in for me. Henry. I definitely appreciate it. Great to have you back. And Paul, thanks. Always, always good to be here. He's he's always here and, and always has the camera with him. I also want to say thanks to Charles Winfrey and the New McCree Theater for letting us do the show from here. Check it out on Clio Road in Flint. And uh, to my guest from the first hour, Lily Anderson. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.